Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the block, Andrew Johnson. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm lucky enough to be joined by Roosters 2002 Premiership winner and try scorer in that grand final, the great Chris Flannery. Of course, one of the most versatile players of all time and in my opinion, probably the most versatile player we've ever seen. Obviously played for the Sydney Roosters in the early 2000s, making his debut in the year 2000, playing all the way through to 2006 with the Roosters and played just about every single position. He started in every single position for the Roosters during this time, except for for hooker and dare I say there would have been a few occasions where he probably would have jumped in at nine during the games as well so from front row all the way to fullback Chris is one of the most versatile players we've ever seen there's actually a period in 2001 where in the first 13 games of his season he plays six games at fullback the other seven games include playing fullback wing center 5'8", lock, and he came off the bench as well. Just unbelievable sort of player, Chris Flannery. We fast forward to 2004, and we talk about this in the podcast, where Chris was playing in the second row for the Roosters, but he was the 5'8 for Queensland, replacing Darren Locke. Yeah, just one of those unbelievable footballers, a champion guy. Obviously played a heap of state of origin footy, won a premiership with the Roosters, featured in the two grand finals after that as well. And now he's a CEO of the Falcons up there in the Queensland Cup, obviously the feeder team to the Melbourne Storm. So we have a deep dive on some of the guys, including Harry Grant, Nico Hines, these sort of guys that have come through the Falcon system and are now carving it up in the NRL. And then, of course, Chris, we go through his dream team, 1-13. to Now, Chris went on a slightly different path to a lot of guys. He only picked guys that he played with, and I really liked this because it gave him gave, gave us a really good insight into these players. And I think there was only one guy from this entire team that he didn't actually play with. He only played against this guy, but you'll understand why he selected him in his footy side. It's an unreal 13. Chris is a champion bloke. We thoroughly enjoyed this chat with him. I hand it over now to Chris Flannery. Mullen for Fittler, and Fittler puts a kick in. He had to hurry. Flannery scores! Flannery dives on the loose ball. 
Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today we've got another dream team named by the great man, Chris Flannery. Chris, welcome on, mate. Mate, how are you going? Yeah, all going well, all going well. Obviously, mate, you're up there in Queensland working with the Falcons. Uh, tell us about your role up there. Yeah, so I'm uh, obviously up here on the beautiful Sunshine Coast is where I grew up. So, yeah, um, I'm the CEO of the, the Falcons Intrust Super Cup side. So I've been in this role for about seven or eight years now. And, yeah, obviously uh, affiliated with the Melbourne Storm um, for the past sort of five or six years. And, yeah, just a, a, a really good club mate who um, obviously you've seen quite a few NRL games being played here at the Stadium over the last couple of years now. And, yeah, obviously a, a great part of the world to live in, mate. So really enjoying it. Mate, I remember two or three years ago watching a Falcons game and seeing Harry Grant for the first time. And I know when I first saw him, I just thought, Jesus, this kid, he is going to be special. Tell me about the first time you saw Harry Grant, mate. Well, Harry was actually he was playing for the Melbourne Storm under-20s who were based here uh, quite a few years ago. So we sort of first saw him playing then. And uh, he got injured uh, while he was playing for the Storm 20s. So he actually came and played for our Falcons under-20s. But... Yeah, you could tell he was going to be a player even from those early days and uh, just so quick and sharp out of dummy half and, you know, a very smart player as we know. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's phenomenal for us um, over the last couple of years and particularly in 2019, he was, you know, just um, leap years ahead of, of every player in the competition. And, yeah, just a, a phenomenal player and great to see him, you know, um, finally getting his chance over the last couple of years and, and taking it with both hands. Obviously, mate, you played a, a bit of footy yourself with the great Cameron Smith. Uh, could you see similarities between the two? Yeah, you can no doubt see that Harry, you know, learned off Smithy. Um, you know, I'm sure uh, he, he just followed him, um, you know, at training down there and, you know, learned a lot of um, things in, in terms of managing the game and, you know, when to run and when to pass. And, yeah, you can see he's a real student of the game. And, you know, he, um, he as I said, mate, he's just phenomenal for us uh, when he played that full season here or a full, full couple of seasons, actually. So, um, yeah, I can definitely see some similar traits that, you know, obviously spoke to Cameron about. And, um, you know, I think he's just going to get better. Obviously, it's uh, just the start of his career and really looking forward to, you know, watching him progress over the years. And I guess the other guy that's doing very well at the moment, mate, is another fellow that anyone that's watched the Falcons for the last few years knew this kid was going to be a star, Nico Hines. He's obviously just signed a big a big deal at the Cronulla Sharks, so I imagine must make you over the moon to see him be, be so successful. Tell me about Nico Hines up there, mate. Yeah, Nico, uh, yeah, we all know, just a really skillful uh, player. And, yeah, we first saw him, he, he actually carved us up while he was playing for the Mackay Cutters. Uh, and we sort of kept track of him after that. So, um, yeah, we brought him down to the Falcons um, 2019, I think it was, and uh, brought him down from Mackay. And, yeah, he just sort of, as soon as he got in, in the system, we sent him down to... Melbourne to complete the preseason down there, and I think his first four or five games, he, he was probably player of the match. And um, you know, just luckily, uh, we we're playing East Tigers, the other Melbourne Storm feeder team, and uh, there was a few of the Melbourne Storm guys, uh, Ryan Hoffman and uh, Hinchy in the crowd, and yeah, Nico just had a day out against the East Tigers, and I think it was the next week he was basically signed. And obviously, uh, as we all saw, he sort of had that debut uh, only a, a couple of months later. And, you know, he's just been a, a phenomenal talent and, you know, he's, uh, it's great to see him doing so well. Obviously, we've all seen the story and, you know, he's, uh, he's had some tough times and to see him, you know, where he's now, um, to where he's come from is, is, you know, just a full credit to, to Nico and the hard work he's put in. Chris, if you had to build a side around Nico, would you play him at fullback or at 5'8"? Well, we actually brought him down here as a 5'8", so all the footy that we'd watched, uh, he'd been playing in the halves and, 
know, he's just that tall, uh, tall sort of guy, and you know, he can he can zing a ball. Uh, you know, his, his, his ball skills are amazing, and cut out balls, and uh, so all of our stuff was basically with him in the front line. But you know, as we've seen, and you know, just by um, you know, by chance, obviously with Patsy, um, you know, getting injured there for a while, and you know, Nico uh, going back to fullback, uh, he's, he's really made the most with it. You know, he's obviously played a lot of fullback, um, and when he first went down to Melbourne, they they put him straight into the into fullback as well. So, yeah, look, I think he can play both, but we, if he was here at the Falcons, we, we'd probably have him in in the halves there just to get his hands on the ball as much as possible. Now, mate, obviously the Falcons over the last few years have been very successful, obviously being the feeder club to Melbourne. Uh, I imagine that that must be a huge advantage for you guys, not only the players you get back, but the uh, the attitude and the quality of the sort of guys you get back as well. And I imagine this season must be incredibly difficult. Obviously, the Melbourne Storm, they've taken a massive squad of players uh, into the bubble with them, which I would imagine would leave you guys a little bit high and dry to some extent. Yeah, certainly, yeah. It's probably been a, a frustrating year from our point of view. We're sort of sitting two points outside the eight at the moment with only three games to go. So, yeah, probably not where we want to be. But, yeah, as, as you said, you know, having those feeder players, obviously you, you recruit around having certain feeder players that you think are going to play a fair bit of footy for you throughout the year. And, you know, guys like Chris Lewis, uh, we probably even thought we'd see a little bit of Nico, not too much, but a little bit of Nico this year, which, you know, he actually played in our round one match at the start of this season. So it just goes to show you know, the the um, season that he's had. Um, and, you know, guys like uh, Justin Olam, who we've sort of had had here over the last couple of years. So we expected to see a little bit of those guys maybe coming back every now and then, but uh, obviously to, to not see them much at all. Obviously, um, you know, two of our local juniors in Trent Liero and Tyson Smoothie have had a fair bit of NRL time as well. So we're sort of expecting to have those guys in our 17 virtually every week. But, you know, uh, thankfully they've, played some NRL and, and, and taken their chance as well. So, yeah, look, it does make things a bit tough, but, you know, we've got some really good players here on the Sunshine Coast, some great local players, and, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll certainly give it a shake over the next three games and, and see where we end up. But, um, yeah, we'll just have to see how we go. Mate, you mentioned uh, Chris Lewis there, and, of course, the Melbourne Storm, they have a rich history of finding guys that you've never heard of, and all of a sudden they make everyone sit up and realise how good they are. Chris Lewis, he's been unreal this year. Tell me about his time uh, with the Falcons. Yeah, no, he, he has, mate. He's, uh, he, he, as I said, he's, uh, you know, he's really taking his opportunity as well. And, yeah, we, we sort of brought Louis up here from uh, down Wollongong, I think about three or four years ago. And um, he has just been phenomenal in the Intra-Super Cup uh, here in Queensland over the past sort of two or three years. And um, he's, yeah, you know, as we know, he's obviously a, um, debuted at 27 and, um, you know, he's uh, been knocking on the door for a while. But, yeah, I thought he probably should have got a chance a, a little bit earlier. But, um, you know, we've really enjoyed having Louis here and he's a, he's a great guy to have on the field, but he's a, he's a really good fellow off the field as well. And, you know, we're, we're just super excited to see him doing so well. And, you know, I guess at the end of the day, that's what we're here for as a, as a feeder club. Uh, whilst, you know, we do want to win the competition every year, we're, uh, we get just as excited when we see players like Louis and Nico and, Justin Ollam and those guys, um, you know, perhaps he, you know, take their opportunities after playing a, a little bit of footy with us. But, yeah, it's certainly a, a phenomenal system um, and a club to be involved in, uh, the Melbourne Storm. We, we learn a lot of them each and every year. And, you know, the players, when they come back to play for us, uh, even though I'm sure they'd all rather be playing NRL, but, you know, when they get back here, they're, they're not picking stones. They're, you know, they, they really bind to the culture of the Falcons and, um, you know, put their best foot forward. So, 
uh, they can get back down into the NRL team as quickly as possible. Mate, uh, let's dive into your career really quickly. And obviously, you're a proud Queenslander. I made your debut for the Chooks uh, back in the year 2000. Tell me, how did you end up at the Roosters? Yeah, well, I was playing up here on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to make a couple of rep sides. I think I made the Queensland under-17s team. I was playing fullback at the time. And uh, Arthur Beetson uh, saw me playing in that uh, Queensland match. And uh, then I, I think the next year, I ended up making the, the Queensland schoolboys and... Um, yeah, Artie was also uh, uh, obviously watching those matches. So, yeah, took me and uh, Casey Maguire, who was my Kiwana teammate up here on the Sunshine Coast. We went down and uh, had a talk to the Roosters and we, we went out to Parramatta and obviously we went down the road and spoke to the Broncos here as well. But um, the, the Roosters was, was definitely the fit. I was a, a pretty keen surfer at the time uh, growing up here on the Sunshine Coast and um, Freddie and, and, and Fletch and... The boys down there, they brought in Kerbox, who you'd know, and a couple of other um, surfers uh, into our meeting. Uh, we just spoke about surfing. I don't know how much footy talk we had, but we spoke about surfing for a lot of the meeting. And Yeah, I was, I was pretty dead set that I was going to the Roosters uh, after that. So um, Casey ended up uh, going out to the Parramatta Eels, and, and I stayed there at the Chooks. So that's how it sort of all come about. Mate, you, you mentioned the great Artie Beats in there, and obviously... The success the Roosters had in the early 2000s, I don't think Artie gets enough credit for the amount of guys that he went out and found during that time. Tell me about the first conversation you had with him. It was uh, obviously very intimidating speaking to, to a great man. But, um, yeah, look, we had a couple of chats. I remember he, he came to watch me play, uh, came and watched me play up in uh, Bundaberg and it was a, a trial to get into... Um, I was playing for Sunshine Coast and it was a trial to get into... Uh, the next representative side and Artie had driven up I think he's either driven up from Brisbane or um, or he may have even driven up from Sydney so it was a fairly long drive and I, I got up there and first game I've probably only been on the field for about half an hour and I I broke my collarbone or, or we weren't pretty sure what I'd done but I knew that I'd hurt it pretty badly and um, I came off and Artie, Artie came over the side and he said oh what have you done and I said oh mate, I think I might have broken my collarbone it doesn't feel too good he said, oh, I've driven all the way up to watch this. So I said, oh, well, I'll try and get back out there. So we sort of slapped it up and got back out on the field. And uh, I, someone made, I was playing fullback and someone made a break and I come across and uh, I, I, I did go for the tackle, but uh, yeah, it was, it was certainly broken. And uh, when I got off the field, Artie said, oh, mate, you, you gave it your best. <laughs> and uh, I ended up getting signed after that. So it was, um, yeah, it was a bit of a... Bit of a tough initiation, but um, yeah, it was it was you know, it was a pretty intimidating character. But he, he certainly made yeah he, he brought a lot of great players um, you know down to the Roosters, and he uh, he certainly had a had an eye for it. just some good talent getting around Queensland. That's for sure. Obviously, mate, Graham Murray, uh, the late but great Graham Murray, he was the head coach uh, at the time of the Sydney Roosters when you made your first grade debut. And I guess, mate, uh, and we'll talk about it more as we go on. But what position? Would Graham Murray have uh, uh, thought, you know, a young Chris Flannery was best suited to? You obviously played a heap throughout your career. I mean, when you were 18, 19, and someone said, what position do you play? What would you have said? I probably would have said centre uh, when I first came onto the scene there. I, I played a lot of centre uh, growing up, and all my club footy was at centre. It was only really when I got into those rep um, teams that I got put back to fullback. So, yeah, I was definitely an outside back, and uh, when... Um, Muzz debuted me. I, I debuted on the wing and sort of, you know, played in the outside backs uh, for the, the majority of those early years. Um, throughout the 
the 2002 season, uh, Luke Phillips, uh, he, he got injured towards the end of the, the regular season going into the finals and, and I ended up getting put back to fullback um, for those first couple of finals uh, leading into that 2002 grand final. So thankfully Diamond came back for the grand final but uh, leading into those couple of games and I think he came back for the prelim final. But uh, yeah, leading in those first couple of semi-finals, I was, I was certainly playing fullback and um, yeah, probably... Yeah, I was obviously as I got a bit slower and uh, a bit fatter, I, I sort of worked my way into the forwards. And I, towards you know the middle and end of my career, I, I was definitely uh, a lot more comfortable playing that that edge back row position or, or the lock position. Mate, I was just having a look at the 2001 season, and I was going through the positions that you played for each game. And there's a there's a 13 game stretch where you play six games at fullback, but then outside of that, you play off the bench. In, in the centres, on the wing, at six, at seven. I mean, was that frustrating for you at, at the time or, or were you just happy to always have a spot in this footy side? Look, I think it was it was probably a little bit frustrating at the time, but I think when you look at, you know, the calibre of players that we had in that team, you know, and, um, you know, we just had a, a phenomenal team in those early 2000s, obviously with Freddie and, Craig Wingham and Ryan Cross for Shannon Hegarty and Minnie and um, you know Luke Rickardson, Fitzgibbon, uh, those types of players. It was certainly just a case of you know you've got to uh, try and fit yourself into the team there somewhere. But I guess whenever there was an injury, um, you know, and, and the coach knew that I could play, um, you know, a different position or that position. Uh, usually when we had an injury, so it was sort of. Uh, how it came about, you know, you, and you saw it with Orbo as well, you know, as soon as there was an injury at centre, Orbo would get moved out there, if not, he'd sort of be back in the back row, so, yeah, look, it was a way of staying in the team each week and, you know, it was um, it was just the way it was at the time and you know, I did, uh, I certainly wouldn't change anything, it was great to play in those, uh, those teams and in those big games at the end of the year and, you know, if you're playing off the bench or if you're playing or, or out in the centres, it was, um, you know, you, you made the most of it, that's for sure. Mate, the first seven weeks of 2002, obviously the Premiership winning year, we'll get to that in a second, but first two weeks you come off the bench, you play 5-8, lock, centre, halfback, and then the second row over the next six weeks. It is unbelievable <laughs> to look back on. I, I was talking to my, my little brother the other day, and he he's 17, so he's probably too young to see your career, and I mentioned... Yeah. Your name and and he and he said, oh, what position did he play? And I went, fuck, how much <laughs> how much time have you got? Like, and I showed him this, and yeah. he couldn't believe it. You just don't see guys like that anymore. But uh, mate, we moved to the end of two thousand and two, uh, and obviously the Bulldogs they are high flying all year. Um, they get their points taken off them. All of a sudden, this is anyone's premiership, and uh, the Roosters. I think you guys win your last ten games in a row or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was something like that, mate. Yeah, it might have been eight or ten. But, yeah, look, we, we probably at the start of the year, I think we started that season maybe losing our first four or five. So it definitely wasn't, you know, uh, the best start to the season. And uh, we probably, you know, didn't really expect to, to, to sort of be there at the end of the end of the year. But we certainly um, picked up a bit of momentum throughout the mid part of the year. And, you know, I think our real turning point was, uh, you know, it was obviously 2002 and, uh, Justin Hodges and I had debuted for State of Origin um, in June that that year, and Hodjo uh, probably, obviously, you know, by his own account, wouldn't have had the best game in his Origin debut. And you know, that was at Suncorp. And then I remember later on in the year uh, we went back there, and I think it was Hodjo's first time that 
obviously back uh, back to the stadium and um, you know, we're obviously playing the Broncos and Hodjo just turned on an absolute, you know, masterclass. I think, um, you know, he he, uh, he stepped Lottie Takiri for a try and we were just on fire. I think we were five or six games out from the finals at that stage. Oh, no, it might have been four or five actually out from the finals and uh, we just went on that run. Uh, that, that sort of kick-started that win against the Broncos and we didn't lose another game for the rest of the season. We took a lot of confidence out of that game and, um, you know, Hodjo, uh, you know, he just returned to form and really got us on the front foot and then obviously, um, yeah, we just kicked in the gear and just had that momentum going in the finals. We, we didn't feel that anyone could beat us once we got to those finals and thankfully that was, that was the case. And, mate, I think when people look back at that grand final, they see the scoreline 30 to 8 and think the Roosters ran away with it, which they did in the back end. But, mate, that, that was a proper contest throughout that game. There's a moment there where Stacey Jones scores, for me, probably one of the greatest individual tries we've ever seen in a grand final, an unreal moment. And then the moment comes where Richard Villasanti uh, hits Freddie. And I was watching the tape of it this morning. I, I noticed that you were out on the right edge. You are on the field at the time. Did you feel a momentum shift in that moment? Yeah, look, I, I certainly did. It was, um, you know, it was, it was a pretty low act uh, the way they got hold of Freddie and obviously, uh, yeah, tried to take him out. But, you know, I think at the same time, it really galvanised the team. And, you know, it was, I think from Villasani's next couple of runs, I think, you know, uh, you could see that the forwards were after him and Mozza cleaned him up a couple of times. And, yeah, it was really, you know, uh, kicked us into gear and obviously trying to take out, you know, the leader of the team and, um, I think everyone sort of, you know, fired up after that. And, you know, Freddie, um, he was he was just phenomenal in that game. I think he kicked the 40-20. Uh, he obviously um, put a couple of kicks in for tries. And, um, and mate, he was... Uh, I know Craig Fitzgibbon got the Clive Churchill that match, but, you know, Freddie would have been right up there. And, um, you know, he was just a, an unbelievable player to play with. The, the amount of games that he, he dug us out of, uh, you know, particularly some of those Anzac Day games against the Dragons. Um, Freddie virtually, you know, won him on his own, and he was just a, you know, an amazing guy to, to play some footy with. Munching that grand final, he put in a couple of kicks for tries, and uh, a special moment for you. You obviously scored off one of those kicks. Freddie puts in a, you know, a belly over belly sort of rolling kick, and at that point it was eighteen ten. You guys were just starting to gather some momentum, and. Me, when I was watching that grand final, I remember that being the moment where I was like, yep, they're home here. They're going to run on from here. That must have been an amazing moment for you. No, it definitely was. Like, yeah, it was um, obviously, Freddie was sort of out on that um, that eastern sideline and, um, yeah, just sort of jumped out and uh, put it across. And, yeah, I was lucky enough to sort of be coming through. So, yeah, look, you know, you, you look back and um, it was just an amazing, amazing time. And we sort of went on a little bit of a run after that, um, scored a few more tries and really blew the score out. But, yeah, you know, as you saw with uh, Fletch scoring towards the end, so it was, yeah, it was great to sort of, you know, be in a grand final where you could enjoy those the last 10 minutes or so. But I, I actually didn't get on until the second half of that match. So I was pretty fresh at that stage and I was, uh, I was flying around everywhere by that time. But um, it was, yeah, it was, it was obviously just some great memories and, yeah, a, a great squad to do it with. Now, mate, there's one State of Origin game that you played that I want to ask you about, and it, it comes in 2004. It's remembered for uh, Sean Timmons kicking the winning field goal to win that one 9-8, and I guess <laughs> yeah. it's sort of forgotten history, but the two 5-8s that night, Sean Timmons and Chris Flannery, I mean, at the time, you were a second <laughs> row for the Roosters, playing six for uh, Queensland. Pretty surreal to uh, look back on. Yeah, no, it definitely was, mate. I don't think I've been 
any more nervous before a game than I was before that one. So um, I think Lockie busted his ribs from memory in the Sunday game before that going into Origin camp. So I remember walking into uh, the hotel that we were staying at for Origin up in Brisbane and Lockie, uh, Lockie was there as well. And I said, here you go. And he said, no, nah, mate, I think you're going to play six. So it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was yeah, I'd, I'd only played a couple of Origins before that. So it was definitely a, a, um, yeah, a bit of an eye opener, but uh, it was, uh, I think I think I read some reviews after that game, and they said it was one of the most devastating origins ever. So me and Timo are uh, in the six jersey three to side. So it was, yeah, I don't think we uh, set any records or point scoring records, mate. But yeah, Timo got a pretty wobbly field goal over to to get New South Wales home. But it was a fair fair contest. Um, yeah, me and Princey were in the house for that one. So fair. Uh, poor Princey was carrying the team, I think. <laughs> Mate, speaking of Darren Lockyer, that you replaced that night, he is the fullback in your dream team that you've selected, mate. Obviously, one of the greatest five eights we've ever seen. But for me, I think it's forgotten just how good he was at fullback. And I imagine that you would have seen the vast majority of his career, the early part of his career when he was playing one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, look, I think uh, Lockie, you know, probably just, you know, we saw the quality of him being able to transition so easily into six, but. I think, you know, in those early years when he was playing one, he was just phenomenal. He was so silky smooth at the back there and, you know, um, just a, a player that everyone wanted to, you know, to play with and wanted in, in your team. And I just remember in those, you know, some of those early origins, just the amount of pressure that Lockie had on him, um, you know, from from uh, the Queensland public and, you know, from the media and everyone and just every time he, he sort of stand up and deliver and, yeah, he's just a you know a great guy to play with, and um, I thought he was one of the, the best fullbacks. Obviously, we've got some other great fullbacks that I've had to squeeze in the team in, in different positions, but um, you know, Lockie was was certainly a um, you know a pioneer in um, that modern fullback play. And as you said, mate, a couple of other great fullbacks. I think you've managed to squeeze in probably the three best fullbacks across probably 16, 17 years in the NRL into this side on the wing. Uh, the first guy you've picked is Anthony Minicello, obviously your teammate and one of the greatest fullbacks I've ever seen. We, we I, I had him on this podcast last year and it's crazy to think where Minnie's career could have been if those injuries didn't derail him in 2005 because he was he was the best player in the game in 05, wasn't he? He definitely was. He was, yeah, he was unbelievable. He was just so hard to put down. Um, it was just like a pinball the way that he'd, you know, pop up out of tackles and, you know, he, he definitely carried us uh, through, you know, a couple of seasons there on his back. That's probably why it was so sore. But um, he was, you know, just a phenomenal player. Um, and, you know, another play, I, I played under-19s with many at the Roosters, so when he was, you know, an out-and-out winger. So to see him, you know, work on his on his skills and to, um, you know, get to that point in his game where, where he just had a, you know, great pass both sides. Um, you know, kick, the short kicking game was, Fantastic, and you know, just to see him develop those skills from, you know, being a winger there, um, and to get him get him at the back. But yeah, he probably didn't transition into fullback until 2003. I think he was obviously still playing in that grand final in 2002 on the wing, and yeah, to see him uh, turn his career um, into a, into such a great fullback was was amazing to see. I think there's one thing with Mini that people don't talk about enough is you know, but before Anthony Minicello was fullback. You know, you could kick on fifth tackle from your own 40 and, and you could have a five-man chase just into the corner you kicked to. Mini changed that completely. You had to have a 10-man chase on every single run because he would 
he would skid all the first three blokes and all of a sudden he'd be under the black dot and in space. He was incredible, Mini. He was, yeah. He was just, yeah, like I said, just so hard to bring down. Uh, I probably didn't realise just how how hard he was to bring down until I started playing against him in State of Origin. And obviously, uh, yeah, when when we were kicking down to him or trying to kick away from him most of the time, but uh, he was just so hard to handle back there. And, um, you know, just his his speed and um, his athleticism, you know, at the back there. And he, he, he just worked so hard, you know. He was always one of the last ones out on the training paddock. He just, you know, put in the time, the extras, the kicking, the catches. And, um, yeah, like, you know, it wasn't a fluke that he just played for so long and, you know, um, so well uh, throughout his career. And, yeah, it was, it was really great to see. The other champion fullback that you squeezed into this side, mate, Billy Slater, and you picked him on the wing. And I, I would assume just off the top of my head that when he scored that unbelievable try in State of Origin where he chipped over the top, you would have been in that side, wouldn't you? I was, mate. I, I was just outside him, actually. So I still remember Lockie. Uh, looking across and, and giving us the uh, the eyes that he was going to put in a grubber, and obviously Billy was a lot quicker than me, so I said, "Billy, you go." But um, yeah, look, the the way that he he you know that was just a freaky try in two thousand four in State of Origin, and um, yeah, I think that really set the scene. Billy was you know he, he was obviously only young at that time, but you know when him and Cam Smith came into that Queensland Origin squad in uh, two thousand and three and two thousand and four. Um, you can just see the, the quality of those two. Uh, you know, even back then, they, they'd stay on the training field and they'd be doing extras and, um, you know, they just wanted to learn, um, you know, and they, and they did. And they were just, yeah, Billy was, you know, as you know, was obviously one of the greatest fullbacks, but he did play a bit of wing at the start of his career. And, you know, he probably could have played anywhere throughout that, uh, that back line, but um, just another amazing player and just a freak of a, a talent. And, um, yeah, really you know, lucky to play some footy alongside him. The three guys you, guys you picked so far, mate, Lockie, Mini, Slater, for me, I think they were the three greatest fullbacks in our game from probably 1999 till about 2018. Probably the only other guy that you could throw in there as being the best fullback in little bits and pieces is Greg Inglis, and you've picked him in the centres. Uh, I imagine you, you would have played with Greg in the very early parts of his career? I did, yeah. I didn't get to play too many games with Greg. Uh, I think we played uh, the 2006 Origin Series. I think he only played one game. It might have been game one in 2006. So I only really got to play that one game alongside him, but uh, certainly played against him uh, quite a bit, which was, was pretty scary at the best of times. And I had to mark him a couple of times uh, when I was playing out in the centres, and uh, he was playing in the centres for the Storm. And yeah, it was a, a scary sight when you see um, GI uh, wind up. and um, you know, he was just—he just had everything. He was just skillful, big, fast, strong. Had that fend from hell that you didn't want to be on the end of. So uh, he was—you know—he just had everything. And you know, to to um, you know, to see him play so many Origin games, and I think he might even be still the top try scorer uh, for State of Origin, which you know just tells you the the quality of the player that he was. Uh, to, to stand up in that arena each time he went out there it was an amazing and uh, he, was, he was an amazing player and yeah definitely uh, I'd, I'd rather have GI in your side than, than playing against it that's for sure Mate you mentioned him obviously being the highest try scorer in State of Origin I'm not sure if he's the highest or the second highest but if he is the second uh, highest the highest is Darius Boyd who stood outside him for all that time so <laughs> it's it's even a greater right. compliment to him isn't it Yeah yeah well that yeah, goes, goes to tell you the story there mate yeah that's for sure so um, yeah, look, as I said, he, he had all the skills as well. And, 
Um, you know, it's a scene when that premiership with South Sydney and, um, you know, it was, was phenomenal. So it's, uh, yeah, he was just a great guy to have on your team. And, yeah, really didn't get to play enough footy with him, but, yeah, really enjoyed the time that I did. Now, Greg Inglis was one centre mate, and obviously, you know, you, you, you mentioned when you put his skill set, his size, his speed, everything on paper, it is just terrifying. Your other centre, very different, but I think he's one of the most criminally underrated players that we've ever seen in rugby league, Matt Gidley. I imagine at some point you would have marked up against him. The Roosters and the Knights had so many great clashes in the early 2000s, and he really was a handful, wasn't he? He certainly was, mate. He was, uh, he was, he was an unbelievable player. Just The skills that he had were just, you know, he was just, as I said, just so sil- silky. And, you know, um, I was lucky enough to play quite a bit of footy with him over in St. Helens, over in the UK, Super League. So, uh, obviously, I played a lot of footy against him over here, and um, yeah. But I got to, you know, I was uh, the back row on his side for the majority of our four or five years over in St Helens. So, um, just another player who the the winger wingers outside him just benefited from that. Uh, the Gidley flick, we still call it the Gidley flick. So it goes to show you just that, um, you know how good it was. But yeah, look, he, he was an unbelievably tough and skillful player, and. I remember 2001, uh, my first final series, uh, we were playing the Knights up at um, up, up there in Newcastle. It was a Friday night. It was the first week of the semi-finals, and I was actually playing on the wing on, on Gibbs' side and uh, some, some marking uh, marking up against him on his side. But um, and I remember just thinking, just don't come in. And uh, I think he got me two or three times. You, you just... You thought he'd beaten you, you know, the centre inside you and look to come in. As soon as you look to come in, he'd just get that flick pass out. And, yeah, he was just unbelievably skillful. And, um, you know, it was great to play a lot of footy uh, with him over in the UK. But, you know, as I said, um, very underrated. But, yeah, he's, uh, he was one of the best centres, uh, I think, of all time. And, mate, I, as you mentioned, you know, the Gidley flick, it sort of became a cultural thing in rugby league, didn't it? I mean, like the Phil Blake chip over the top, the Joey Banana, the Benji step, the Gidley flick. <laughs> if, if you were alive in the early 2000s, you will always refer to that. I, I, I watched Peter Hicku th- throw a flick ball on the weekend, and I turned my mate and said, oh, you know, he's the Kiwi Matt Gidley, you know. Like, it just <laughs> stays with you uh, for, forever, uh, an unreal talent, and... And I guess, as you said, the week that you were playing him, all you thought was don't come in on him. Like, I imagine whoever was the coach at the time, you would have been told 15 times that week, do not let him <laughs> yeah. flick out of that right hand. And you knew it was coming, just seemingly impossible to stop. It was like, yeah, you certainly knew it was coming. But, yeah, just, yeah, you'd think he'd have him beaten and, yeah, he'd just pop it out. But, no, he was, he was unbelievable. And, yeah, it was great to sort of play some footy with him and, um, you know, just see firsthand. I think it was, you know, as you mentioned there, with Darius Floyd outside of, uh, Greg Inglis, um, I think A.D. Gardner was the winger over in St. Helens who was playing outside uh, Matt Gidley. And before Gibbs got there, they had Jamie Lyon, who, was, who, as we know, was also, you know, a, a really good, um, you know, passer of the footy. So I think A.D. Gardner was top of the try scorers list over there for about six or seven years in the UK Super League. He was outside Lyon and then Gidley. So it was, um, yeah, definitely some you know, silky skills from, from those guys. Some pretty good real estate being on the right wing outside Gids. Mate, uh, let's move into your halves pairing. And uh, two guys that you would have played with. The first one, Jonathan Thurston. Uh, he's your 5'8". I imagine you know your, your last few Origin games would have been 06. Uh, I think that's yep. around the time that he started. Was that his first series or did he come in in 05? 05, yeah, JT yeah. debuted. Yep. So, 
Yeah, um, I'd been in emerging origin squads with JP sort of as we were growing up and um, or when we were early 20s and yeah, just seeing the skills that he had, you know, then when we when we were training and um, I remember Wayne Bennett came in, it must, must have been around 99 or 2000 and, and um, I might have been a little bit later, sorry, and uh, Wayne Bennett sort of came into that room and he said, you know, some of you guys here are going to be playing Origin in the next couple of years and we sort of looked around and you know, we weren't too sure who it would be, but uh, yeah, luckily, you know, we sort of both got to play Origin together. And JP was, he was just, you know, the ultimate competitor. Um, you know, I think that 2006 series, you know, particularly Game Three when we, you know, we were down and out down in Melbourne, and um, you know, JP just, you know, he really took control and obviously, um, you know, um, spreading that ball out to Tady on the right wing when when Tady scored that long range try, but. You know, I, I just remember just how competitive JC was, whether it was at training or during the game or wherever it was, and just always wanting to win. I think we saw that, you know, really um, stand up over over the, the course of his career. And, mate, obviously his career, as you said, unbelievable. So many highlight moments. For me, the, the moment that I first realised that, that, that JT was going to be special and without bringing up bad memories was that 2004 grand <laughs> final. He comes on late and... He puts in this kick from about halfway and he finds touch about three metres from the sideline. It was just the perfect kick for the perfect moment in that grand final. And that's just the sort of touch that Thurston had. Yeah, no, definitely, mate. He was, it was a handful uh, when, he, when he used to come on, uh, particularly in those, those early games. And, yeah, well, I think you could see, I, I think, um, you know, you could see that he was going to be a, a superstar even back then. and. Yeah, it was you know he was a tough, um, skillful player, and yeah, it was great to you know see him obviously go up to the Cowboys and and um, you know really um, you know really cement his home up there and, and obviously win that competition uh, with with him up there. Mate, speaking of superstars, your halfback Joey Johns. Now, I'm just having a look through your career. Is Joey a guy that you would have played with or only played against? No, I was going to say that, mate. He's the only one in the list that I haven't actually played with. So, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think the the amount of times that he that he carved us up, I thought I, I had to throw him in there because he was, you know, as we all know, Joey was uh, just you know a phenomenal halfback, and uh, you know we had some great battles with him, uh, obviously with the Roosters in Newcastle, but also you know in the Origin arena, and you know the way that he came came on in that 2005 series, and uh, you know just dominated that those, those couple of games there. Um, I think he's. Yeah, deserves to be in that seven jersey, but you know he was just you uh, couldn't have a, a playoff against Joey because he you know he'd come back to your side, he'd, he'd get you one way or the other. Uh, he was just uh, you know an unbelievable talent. I was having a look today, mate. Obviously, Ruben Garrick, he's breaking records left, right, and centre for the Manly Seagulls as far as point scoring goes. And I was having a look at his stats today. He's, uh, I think he scored three less points than Joey did in 2001, and he's played one more game than him so far this season. And obviously, he's a winger outside, possibly the most informed player we've ever seen. It's incredible what Joey was able to do. Yeah, it was, mate. It was, uh, as a, you know, the same as JT, just that. Um, competitor uh, who, who just hated losing and yeah it made his yeah, yeah, everyone's spoken about him but he was just a phenomenal player and yeah a guy that you, I think you would have rathered on your team unfortunately I didn't get to experience that but I would have loved to play some footy with him but yeah we're on the on the wrong side of some of his games a few times but yeah just a, a, an ultimate competitor 
Now, mate, we're, we're going to jump around a little bit here. I'm going to go from the halfback to your lock forward. And, of course, he was your 5'8 that you played with so many years, your skipper at the Roosters. And for me, my favourite thing about the early 2000s would be a Friday night at Marathon Stadium when Joey would take on Freddie. It was just the greatest contest in rugby league for me. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, yeah, you know, I was very fortunate to play a lot of footy with Freddie, uh, you know, most of my career. And as I said earlier, you know, just the amount of times that he dug us out of a hole in, in, in some games. And, you know, it wasn't just his leadership on the field, but, you know, off the field. Uh, I think we saw it in uh, Ricky Stewart's recent um, uh, doco there. But, uh, you know, Freddie was, he was one of the first on the training paddock. He was one of the last to leave. And, he was, you know, just a, a player that just demanded, you know, excellence. He demanded that everyone, you know, raise the standards around him. And, you know, we all, all bought in. And, you know, it was, um, yeah, just a great experience playing, um, you know, so much footy with him. But just one of the toughest and skillful uh, players that, you know, you'll ever see. And, you know, it was, it was um, you know, whether he was playing 5'8 or lock, uh, like he used to in those early days, um, you know, he's, his defence was probably something that was, you know, a bit over, uh, underrated. Sorry, he was, um, you know, a, a really good defender, and um, yeah, it was just fantastic to play so much footy with him. I've always said about Freddie, mate. He's the best thirteen-six or centre, depending on what jersey you threw him that day. And as you said, his defence was so underrated. I mean, if you were to put him in the back row, would he not be the best back rower as well? He's just an absolute freak. Yeah, no, he was. He was, you know, and. In, in, he was just such a leader out there, you know. As I said, he, he dug us out of you know, so many tough games, and um, yeah, he was just a, another competitor. He just wanted to win um, every game, like we all did. But um, you know, it was just great to see in those those last few years where he was, um, you know, he was, he was just leading our team, and you know, it was uh, just such a shame that we couldn't send him out a winner in that 2004 uh, grand final. It would have been, you know, the icing on the cake to be able to send Freddie off. A winner in that 2004 grand final, but unfortunately, uh, wasn't to be the case. And mate, obviously, that early 2000s Roosters side you're in, like that was star-studded. There was internationals in just about every position, but geez, it was a different team when Freddie wasn't there. It really was the greatest compliment to him. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well. When Freddie wasn't there, he usually had me in the stick, so it was a fair, uh, <laughs> fair way down. So, it's, uh, yeah, no, that was, um, yeah, it was, mate. When, when he wasn't there, it was, you know, there was definitely a hole to fill. And, um, yeah, we, we always loved uh, having Freddie in the team, that's for sure. Mate, let's move into the front row and uh, two blokes that you played with. Let's start with Petro Seven to Steve, obviously a guy that you played a heap of state of origin footy in. And, you know, I, I think for Petro, I think because him and Webke came along at the same time and they were just two of the greats, I think that people, you know, sometimes forget about Petro a little bit because we talk about Webke so much. But I, I think he was just as good as Shane, if not arguably better. It's two champion players. But you've gone with Petro here. Tell me about him. Yeah, mate, I've gone with Petro. Yeah, like you say, mate, it was probably out of Petro and, and Webby there. I uh, could have went either way. But, you know, I just thought 
uh, Petro, um, just, you know, the, the reliability of him. He was just, you know, he'd obviously take the first hit up of the game and he'd just be still going in the 80th minute just as hard as he was in the first. And uh, he was just another guy who, you know, he, he was just a leader um, both on and off the field and, um, you know, just tough as they come. He obviously... Uh, yeah, had a had a uh, had a bit of an injury there uh, towards the back end, end of his career, but he just you know kept on pushing through, and um, you know to see him come back uh, from Penrith and, and you know finish off uh, after the Broncos was, was fantastic to see. I think he's one of those guys that uh, I I think the general public really do underappreciate front rowers that simply just never get pushed backwards like that. It just matters so much in the game, doesn't it? it does yeah, he just gets you set off. To, you know, to the, you know, you want your set off on the best start, and you know, big Petro just never let you down. He was, you know, as I said, maybe just go for eighty minutes, and um, yeah, he's, he's just so reliable. Uh, you know, whether it was at Origin level or um, you know playing for the Broncos, and um, you know to play so many games for so long, obviously in the front row, one of the toughest positions on the team to play was, you know, amazing. And um, yeah, I think you'd always he would have always been one of the first picks uh, in your team, that's for sure. Mate, the other guy you've picked in the front row, we did speak about him a little bit before, Adrian Morley, and it's been a um, it's been it's been a welcome surprise to me how many guys have gone for Adrian Morley in their dream team. I mean, he must have just been a nightmare to come up against. Yeah, he was. I was glad he was on my side. That's for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I did play against him uh, quite a bit over in uh, over in the UK, so I did end up on the other side, but. Um, yeah, look, when you're playing for those Roosters uh, throughout the early, playing for the Roosters throughout the early 2000s, um, you know, I'm sure that every player on the opposition team was looking out for him because he would, you know, just come from nowhere and uh, just some of the hits that, you know, we put on uh, over those couple of years were, were amazing. And, um, yeah, he was, he was just a, an enforcer and every time he was in the team, everyone was looking out for him and, you know, he would just come flying out of the line. He, I think the thing with Moz um, was probably his, his fitness. He could play long minutes for, you know, such a big man. And the way that he played, uh, he was just, uh, he was so fit. And he would just, you know, tear in from minute one to minute 80. Um, yeah, just another player who just loved having him inside. And just that intimidation factor. Uh, Ricky Stewart knew how to wind him up before the game. And uh, when he came on to the field uh, at the start of the game, he was just, he was ready to go. And, uh, as I said, you know, I'm sure that every player hated playing against him, but, you know, we all love playing uh, with him. And, you know, it was a, it was a master stroke from Graham Murray uh, bringing him out from Leeds uh, over in England when he brought him out. Finchie told me a couple of weeks ago, mate, that uh, he used to always just make up things that the opposition would say about Morley during the week and it'd get him all fired up. And then Finchie would walk <laughs> away and sort of think to himself, how the fuck would I know what they said, you idiot, sort of thing. But he, he just <laughs> eat it up. Yeah, no, he, he would, mate. I, I think Pitchy would wind him up a fair bit, but it didn't take much um, yeah, to, to wind the big fella up. But, yeah, he's just another one of those players who just never let you down. Um, you know, he'd, he'd, uh, he was just a freak of a player and uh, probably one of the, the best Englishmen to, to ever come out here and, and play in the NRL. But I uh, love playing against uh, playing with Mozer and, you know, he had a good time on the field but he enjoyed a good time off the field as well so he was the, the king of Coogee there while he was here <laughs> I think it's also mate 
one of those things that people don't talk about enough. Like, obviously, Fitzy got the Clive Churchill. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, Freddie was unreal in that grand final, but it really was that moment with Villasanti where Morley just took it upon himself. That, that, that 15 minutes after that moment from Adrian Morley, that was, that was some of the most terrifying rugby league I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it was just, as I said, he just took it upon himself to, to get the square up. And I think the thing with Moz's tackling style, I don't know how long he'd last with the rules these days. I don't think he'd um, be on the field too often. He'd probably be suspended more than more than he'd play footy. But He'd know his um, way around you know, the shower. Yeah, he would, mate. He would. Uh, but, uh, he'd never have a cold shower, that's for sure. But he... Um, so he'd just come out and he'd just have his arm, both arms out and if he just collected you with either, either it was his, one of his arms or his head or whatever it was, but he'd clean you up. And you know, I think that's what happened with Villa Fanny. He just went after him for that, um, you know, that next 15, 20 minutes when, uh, you know, really stood up for, for his captain and, and Freddie in that grand final. And, you know, I think the rest of the pack sort of followed, you know, uh, guys like uh, Peter Cusack and um, obviously Rico and Fletch and those guys, you know, everyone just got on board and, uh, Moz was, was definitely the, the leader of the pack. Fuck, it was a bad day to be Richard Villasanti. Mate, uh, let's move into your back row. And we have mentioned him a couple of times. Obviously, the Clive Churchill medalist in 2002. Uh, he's probably facing one of the biggest challenges of his career coming up next year, becoming a full-time coach in the NRL with the Cronulla Sharks, Craig Fitzgibbon. We had him on this podcast last year, mate, and you couldn't find a more genuine bloke, could you? No, you certainly couldn't, mate. He's just, he was just an ultimate warrior and... Um, you know, just so fit. Uh, you know, there's, there's another one of those the players at the Roosters that just, you know, demanded that everyone around them, um, you know, do their job and do it as best as they can. And Fitzy was just so fit and strong. And, you know, he is just another one of those players, you know, he's playing in the back row and would just play for 80 minutes flat out every single game. Um, you know, and also obviously, a, you know, a really good goal kicker at the same time. So, um, he was, you know, just a, a freak of a player. And, uh, you know, he loved, uh, you know, playing, playing with Fitzy, that's for sure. He was, uh, he never let the team down. I think it's one of the most underrated things about Fitzy, mate. If the Chooks would have scored in the first minute, he'd convert that one, and it would look exactly the same as the conversion in the 80th minute where he's made, you know, 50 tackles and taken 15 hit-ups. He was just... He, he could just control himself so well and bring him back into that moment as soon as he was goal-kicking. That's what I think with so many of these forwards that goal-kick, I don't know how they do it. They must be exhausted. And to keep that sort of form the entire game, Fitzy was the key, the, the absolute king at it. He was, yeah. yeah I, I was the same. I don't know how he do it sometimes. He'd be playing for 70, 80 minutes and then be lining up goal-kicks. And, um, you know, I remember, I think it was the 2001 semifinals when we were... Um, Oh, 2002 semi-finals actually and we played Newcastle in one of the first semi-finals and you probably remember that game where we were sort of defending our line I think Minnie had brought down Sean Rudder uh, in, a, in a great tackle just before the uh, just before the try line and then uh, we were defending our line and Fitzy just came out and took an intercept and he ran you know the length of the field uh, in, it was towards the back end of the first half I'm pretty sure so you know to Fitzy, run the, to Fitzy to run the length of the field and um, you know, and obviously get there firstly, but then also, you know, line up for that kick. He was just, a, um, you know, his fitness was just absolutely ridiculous. And, um, you know, he, he would push his body to the limits. And I'm sure that's what it's gonna, he's going to be expecting of, you know, the Cronulla Sharks next season. I'm really excited to see what he's, uh, you know, going to bring in a, in the coaching capacity of that team. 
Mate, that, that intercept was one of the most surreal moments I've ever seen. It looked like he was on a treadmill the entire time, but just no one was getting near him. It was crazy. <laughs> it was, mate, yeah. I still don't know how he made it, but I was, I was back on the trial and I think, cheering him on. But, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty thankful he got over the line. And, um, you know, that was probably another game where the score, the score did blow out uh, towards the end, but it was pretty tight at that time when he scored that try. And, you know, I think Minnie's uh, tackle on, on Rudder, I'm fairly sure it was, uh, just before the trial line, that, you know, that was just an, another amazing tackle. And I, I know that when we look back on the final series after we'd won the grand final, and a couple of those moments were definitely defining moments in, um, you know, that final series, that's for sure. Mate, speaking of defining moments, this guy came up with an absolute heap in his career, and especially in the state of origin arena where you played with him. Uh, when I think about Queensland, I still think Gordon Tallis. Uh, he just epitomised everything that is the Queensland Maroons to me. Yeah, mate, he did. Obviously, the raging bull, but he was, you know, just so tough, so competitive, uh, so angry. And, um, you know, I was pretty happy when I was on the same side of him, as him in those uh, in those origin camps, that's for sure. He was, you know, he was just a, an absolute weapon of a player. And I, I definitely didn't like marking him too much when he was playing for the Broncos but when you had him on your side he was just um, you know the player that everyone loved to play with and uh, just his you know his, uh, his attitude and uh, he just wanted to win more than anything and that was you know it was great for all of us and obviously we were fairly fairly young coming into that Queensland side but he really took the young players under his wing and you know made all of us uh, you know feel feel welcome as soon as he got in the team and um, you know Big Gordy was just a an amazing guy to, to, to play footy with and, um, you know, definitely carried Queensland through some of those uh, those tough games. Was he much of a talker, mate, before, like, as as you were about to run out or when you were, you know, behind the try line as a try was being converted? Was he much of a talker or is he just more about leading by his actions? Yeah, look, I, I think he was he probably led by his actions more than anything. He obviously did have, you know, a, a fair bit to say, but, I think his actions, um, you know, spoke louder than anything, and he, he would just lead the team, you know, from from um, the start of the game, and yeah, you know, we just all got on board and followed him, and um, you know, just such a a great leader and uh, you know, a great player, and um, yeah, it was, it was definitely great to, to play beside him. And mate, we, we already mentioned, obviously, in the early 2000s that clash of the Roosters and the Knights, but the Roosters and the Broncos, that rivalry was just as big, if not bigger, realistically. And Gordy, he always came prepared for that one, didn't he? <laughs> he did, yeah. Oh, mate, he was always coming off the back fence. But, you know, some of those clashes, like, like you just mentioned, you know, some of those early 2000s clashes with um, some of the players that we had in our squad, obviously, against, um, you know, some of the superstars that the Broncos had. We had some, had some you know, really tough games. Uh, we used to always play the, the Good Friday match against the Broncos. And um, it was a a big race day the next day so I think everyone you know we always wanted to make sure that you, you had the bragging rights for the races the next day at Randwick so it was uh, yeah, it was one of the, the biggest games of the season but uh, yeah we had some great classes with you know that superstar Broncos team and um, yeah Gordy was always, always the leader uh, in, in those games so, mate, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here if you had to pick a coach for this side who'd be your greatest coach? Oh, look, I probably I'd have to say Ricky Stewart. Obviously, uh, I probably played the most footy um, under Ricky, and you know, um, coached us for that premiership in 2002. So yeah, it wasn't until I sort of watched um, that Ricky Stewart story there 
a couple of weeks ago that you just realised how young he was. Like he was only thirty five at the time. It's so, crazy, isn't um, it? He, he was playing eighteen months before that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it wasn't until I sort of sat down there a couple of weeks ago and actually watched that and just realised how young he was, and you know, it was just a, an amazing achievement for for him. Obviously, you know, to to step up really, you know, so early in his coaching career, and um, yeah, he you know, definitely. Will definitely fit that year, that's for sure. But he was, you know, I really enjoyed coaching. He was, you know, I always call him tough but fair. He was, you know, he was really tough on his players, but you know, at the same time, um, I think he was a pretty fair coach. And you know, if you did the right thing by him, he'd, he'd certainly look after you. And um, yeah, he, he had that team. You know, we were obviously one of the fittest teams in the competition in 2002, and I think he he really brought that steel edge mentality to uh, our squad that year, uh, 2002, which was what we what we needed and um, I thought he was a, a fantastic coach for our, our squad at that time Mate when I spoke to Fitzy Finchy Minnie they all spoke about those 02, 03, 04 pre-seasons and they were some of the worst memories of their entire lives is there a day that stands <laughs> out for you from that time? Oh, they were all horrendous but um, you know the boys have probably spoke about one I think we I can't remember it might have been 2003 or 2004 we lost the game on the Friday night to the Bulldogs and I'm fairly sure Finchy organised a, a little trip to the Gold Coast the next day um, I'm pretty sure he, he booked a flight that night after um, after quite a few beers and I remember him coming around to my house on the way to the airport trying to get me to go but I, I thankfully decided to to stay in Sydney and uh, a few of the boys went up to um, up to the Gold Coast and had a good time on the, on the Saturday night and I think it was on Sunday, our phones started ringing and uh, Ricky was ringing around trying to find out who was up the Gold Coast. But, um, yeah, that, that Monday morning we, we got into training. As soon as you drive into um, into the training ground, I could just see rowers and tackle bags and uh, just everything out on the field. And Ricky had obviously gotten wind of uh, the boys go a couple of boys going up to the Goldie after a loss and I uh, wasn't too happy. So, yeah, that, that day was one of the most horrendous days training-wise that I've ever been through. And, um, I was just I was so thankful that I didn't go up to the Goldie uh, that Saturday night so I would have been struggling even more. But, um, yeah, she was, there was a couple of tough days there. And I, a couple of our... Uh, we used to do the beat test, and I, I think I've heard, heard this story a couple of times, but we did our first beat test, and um, basically, as soon as we finished, if you, you get about two minutes, and then he made us do it all again. So it was... And you had to beat the score. So, yeah, some, some really tough days. But, um, yeah, we, we, we certainly reaped the benefits. The Pied Piper of North Bondi, the Finch man, shock me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, would have been a surprise, wouldn't it? Mate, uh, I thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's an unreal team that we've gone through today. And uh, a quick glance over your unbelievable career across the NRL and over in the English Super League. We wish you all the very best over the next few weeks with the Falcons just outside of the uh, of the finals race at the moment. So fingers crossed you can claw your way back into that. Yeah, thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. G'day guys, you might have noticed we didn't have a hooker in that list there. We got a little bit distracted with our conversation. Of course, Chris Flannery's hooker that he chose was, of course, the great Cameron Smith. Uh, no real shocks there. I'm not sure if we will get a team that doesn't feature Cameron Smith realistically. So if there is one for us to get carried away in conversation, forget about it was Cam Smith. And of course, it would have been really interesting to hear Chris's take on Cam Smith, of course. When he first came to the Origin Arena, Chris Flannery was playing there. So it would have been a really good opportunity to see what the early days of Cam Smith were like. 
like. But we have spoken to a number of guys about Cam Smith, and realistically, I don't think there's much more that we could say about him. As I said, apologies for us leaving out Cameron Smith there. Uh, that's on me. I should have paid more attention. I was enjoying the good old-fashioned footy chat a little bit too much there. But if there is one guy to miss out on, it probably is Cameron Smith because we've heard each and every person come on and talk about their dream team, comment on Cam Smith and his greatness. Apologies for that, guys. We have to be better in the future.